This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a great day out there. Thank you for joining me here today on the show. Got plenty of good stuff coming up. Chip Scoggins, columnist for the Star Tribune, will be with me in just a little bit. Talk about his football across Minnesota column. Inside a film review with uh, with Minnesota State Mankato, uh, Chip went to, went there on uh, on Sunday and uh, got a good look at kind of what goes on during a film review. Um, you know, we hear coaches all the time say we got to break down the film, we got to know, you know, we got to do that before we can really say what uh, what's what. So, you know, Chip will uh, Chip will help us with that and uh, help us get a, a good uh, a good perspective on. On just you know, on just what what goes on in, in in that kind of situation, as well as talking a little bit about the Vikings' offensive line and a little bit of uh, Wolves and Wild. Chip is excited for the Wolves and the Wild. Get to a NBA vaccines update after that, and a MLS All Star Game announcement too. But first, what did I miss? So you guys, I admit I have not watched as much baseball this year as I normally do. I was a huge baseball fan growing up um you know because it's kind of sad that i haven't watched as much but you know the twins just weren't that good and especially they weren't that compelling especially you know with second half of the season there was a few things to keep an eye on um but you know the sport itself i just i have a hard time just sitting down watching any old baseball game these days and the pace of play the length of the game it bothers me it, it's it doesn't feel like the same sport I grew up with and I you know when I say that I I feel a little bit like you know an old man yelling at a cloud I'm not that old I'm oldish I'll be 45 in a few weeks here but you know it it's it's just it it doesn't speak to me the same way and especially when the twins aren't as good the team we pay the most attention to here it it's just harder to get interested in baseball you know but like I said growing up huge baseball fan I was a huge Atlanta fan I've probably talked to you guys about that before um, had Dale Murphy poster on the wall. I recorded every single game on the VCR. Remember the good old VCR programmed it. Um, even when they're losing a hundred games a year in the late 1980s, I'm, I'm watching every single game. You know, I'm 12, 13 years old. I can't get enough baseball. So that is a backdrop. Yankees, Red Sox, one game playoff wild card was, uh, was Tuesday. And that got me, that got me into it. It got me in. I didn't start watching right away. I saw the Red Sox were up a couple runs. I jumped into it. I think they were up 3 nothing when I joined. Four things about that game really stand out. One, cannot believe the Red Sox took out Nathan Evaldi in that game. He was cruising through five. He looked absolutely unhittable. I know he got touched up a little bit in the sixth. That felt like it was going to be the turning point in the game, and it sure could have been, except for thing number two. Yankees send the runner, Phil Nevin, third base coach. They got runner on first, one out, ball smashed off the the green monster. Ball hits off a monster that high, that hard. It's hard to score from first on an extra base hit, but Phil Nevin waves around the runner, and he's thrown out fairly easily. It was a good relay, really nice relay, center field to the, you know, to the, to, to shortstop to, to home plate but ball was there in a lot of time it didn't it was perfect but it didn't have to be perfect they got him by a few steps at least um, plenty of time to put the tag down make the out so instead of having second and third one out trailing three to one Yankees have runner on second two outs and inning ends quietly three one Red Sox restore their 
three-run lead the next inning, make it 6-1 a little bit later, 6-2. They kind of cruise to the final. Third thing, Hansel Robles. Been pitching reasonably well for Boston, especially lately since he got traded from the Twins. I know Twins fans might not believe that based on how things went a lot of this year for Hansel Robles, but deadline acquisition for a shaky bullpen. He has been helpful, pitched a clean inning for Boston, helping them get past New York. The last thing, though, of course, the biggest thing of all in all this, the Yankees lost. You guys, we don't have a lot to cheer for right now with with baseball. We don't have a lot to go on um, with you know with the Twins right now. But you know, kind of like in football, when you know if you're a Vikings fan and the Packers lose, which you know frankly lately has not been all that often, um, it, it almost feels like a second victory. Or even when the Badgers lose in football, if you're a Gopher fan, I feel like people have that kind of schadenfreude, you know, that that great word, the, the exp- enjoying the pain of others, enjoying the pain of the rivals. And I think it holds true for the Yankees. Every time the Yankees are eliminated from the postseason, which is not done at the hands of the Twins, Twins fans rejoice. So Yankees are out after just one game. They go meekly. Garrett Cole, their $300 million pitcher, pitches quite poorly, uh, only went a couple innings, gave up three runs. Doesn't get it done. Gets outdueled by Evaldi. The Yankees can't really go to their strength, which is their their deep bullpen. Couldn't get a lead. Couldn't get Cole to get them that lead. And uh, they end up getting bounced. Wonder if that's the end for Aaron Boone, the manager. We'll have to see about that. But the most important thing of all, the Yankees did lose. Since I was a kid, my grandpa, Jim Warner, taught us to treat our customers like family. And to thank you for 67 years, Warner Stellion is offering unbeatable appliance savings. Go to warnerstellion.com to get your $50 coupon you won't find anywhere else. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist. Had Chip on a couple weeks ago when he debuted his football across Minnesota column. Wanted to have him on again to talk a little bit about that. Talk some Vikings, maybe a little bit of Wolves and Wild too, because Chip, man, those seasons are are right around the corner, and they had both of them had a preseason games on um, on Monday that were kind of interesting. Kind of showed off some of what we might want to get excited about there. But let's let's start with the football across Minnesota. And you kind of had an interesting mix and opportunity to sit down with um, a coach that you, you know pretty well. G- give me a little bit of more of the, the insight into, into what you wrote about there. Yeah, so I've been thinking about this. Um, no matter what level, preps the pros after football games, if you, as reporters, we get conditioned to hear uh, an answer, got to watch film, got to watch film. You ask <laughs> about a certain play or – or a player, a coach, and, and, it's, and it's, I don't think they're just saying, I don't think it's lying. A lot of times they want to watch the film and see it and dissect it before they give a, a critique of us, you know, what went wrong and what went right. So you hear it all the time. They, they don't need to watch it when it goes well, by the way. They know exactly, yeah, yeah, what, they know exactly always, what happened yeah. when it went well, when it goes well. <laughs> yeah. You see that touchdown? That went well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've been thinking, it's like, I'd love to like show readers what that looks like. Like what, what all this entails. And, and I, I knew, you know, I've known for covering football years is football coaches are incredibly detailed down to put your hand here. Your, your, you know, your lineman splits, you need to be a foot wider, you know, just so stuff that we would probably never, you don't even think about to the untrained eye. Um, so I, I uh, had talked with Todd Hoffner, the Minnesota state 
Mankato, what they call Minnesota State, but um, football coaches like, uh, and he invited me to come down and sit in on a team meeting. They meet every Sunday at five and then have the full team meeting. And then they go into film review after that. And so I went down Sunday night and I uh, spent a couple hours with them. Uh, went to the team meeting with them and then uh, broke off. They break off to, they do a special teams as a full group and then offense and defense go to smaller rooms. And so I went with the offense and just sat there and they went through, they had played Concordia, St. Paul and one big, it was 58, 10, I believe it was Saturday. Um, but they went through every play and, and, and talked to the offense coordinator, defense coordinator about every player on the field on every play gets graded. You either get a plus or a minus and they look at, uh, both effort and assignment. Did you do your job? Did you do it well? Or did you play hard with the effort they want? Um, and it was interesting to see uh, how they grade, how strict they grade. Um, for instance, it, the defense coordinator um, said, Coach Glow said, even if you do the play right or if, you, if the play is successful, but you don't have the right technique or you can get a minus for it. So they – they're pretty strict uh, grade uh, grading because you don't want to uh, have bad habits, right? If you score a touchdown, but you have bad ball control, that's a bad habit. And we, in watching the film, there's two touchdowns where the offense coordinator stopped it, rewound it, stopped it, rewound it, where the guy scored a touchdown, but the football got away from his body, didn't have great ball security. And he's like, love the touchdown. Don't love the ball security. You got to, uh, cause you know, you may get away with it one time, but you, if, if it becomes a habit, eventually it's going to come back to get you. So it was fun. I was down there a couple hours and just really see how a coaching staff and then by extension, giving it to the players really dissect with a critical eye. I mean, they won by 48 points and they really critiqued the good and the bad every play. So it was, it was pretty fascinating. I hope people saw it and got to kind of get a glimpse of how much goes into that film review. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I just, you're right. It is one of those kind of things where it, it almost becomes coach speak because you hear it so much. We got to watch the film. We like, but what, what does that mean? Like, I'm, and I'm sure it's different if, you know, you go into a, if you watch a close game where there's a lot of mistakes, like a 58 10 game, you probably, there's a lot to like, but also coaches are always going to clean things up along the way. But like I mentioned the level of detail, were there any other things that are eye opening about it to you? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, I think just the detail and, and it reinforced that we have no idea what we're watching <laughs> versus we can see just the, the big picture stuff, but coaches break it down. We were in the special teams meeting and just watching the guys run down on a kickoff, how guys were not, the ball placement wasn't high enough, wasn't pin where it was supposed to be the lanes that they were running down, they were too narrow one. I mean, it's just, uh, there were a couple of times where there, you know, there was pay attention where your hips are here, where your hands are, where your foot, see where you're, see how you're stepping here. You, you can't step like that. The quarterback one time, his, his elbow got a little bit high. We wouldn't have, we would have known that we would have seen that, but the, the offense coordinator saw it like they say, Hey, look at your elbow. And so it's, it reinforced to me that we, we see, I think we watch a football game a whole lot differently than coaches do when they break it down and see just how minute and microscopic everything is. Um, and the, I was sitting in the meeting room and like the way they were talking, they have their own terminology and lingo 
like some of it was like, I have no idea what they're even saying, you know, because it's just so sure. inside football. Um, but it just speaks to how now we could say that it's, you know, you, some might, might think it's overanalyzing, but for coaches, I mean, those little things matter. Those little minute details to them. When you add them up, Todd Hoffner, the coach had a great thing. He said, there's imperfections all throughout football. They're everywhere. And you just have to clean those up. So it was, to me, it was eye-opening just to see how detailed and microscopic they get with everything on a football field. It's probably a good transition point to talk a little bit about the Vikings because we've made a lot in the last couple of weeks about Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer sitting down and hashing things out on a weekly basis, watching some, t- watching some film together, kind of getting to an understanding of where the other one is coming from. I think the film session this week will be interesting. Um, yes. <laughs> Kirk did not have a lot of time to throw. And when he had probably more time than he thought, he might've missed a few things. Those things kind of go hand in hand throughout the poor games of his Vikings career. At least what did you see on Sunday from, you know, a team that had been humming along scored on the opening drive and then didn't score again in that game. Well, they've been very good in scripted series. I mean, I think they've scored what all four games, three games, uh, but with their scripted series and look good doing it, but it goes back to what we've said all along and what we've known. I don't think there's any, excuse me, any surprise about when they cannot run the ball and they cannot pass protect cousins is not going to overcome that. It is just not, I mean, he's at his best when they can run the ball play action and, and do different things off the running game. And the previous two games, I thought the offensive line was terrific in giving him time and, and, and a clean pocket. The Sunday, it was awful. It was what 22 pressures. I think we saw yeah. pro football focus the most and, you just saw that he cannot overcome that. I mean, it's in, it was just, he had no time. Um, it went back to looking indecisive. And that's the problem is, will that offensive line be able to hold up against good defenses? And I, I just think, no, I just, I, unless they really do some scheming and different things to try to mitigate it. They just looked overwhelmed again. And in, in that it gets it gets a good deep. I mean, that's that's a good Browns defense. I think got some obviously playmakers and pass rushers there along the line, but um, it it was just a mess on offense. It was, and what I'm what I'm trying to figure out now is this is this has happened periodically, not every single game. And you know, the offensive line plays better, and then you know you face lesser defenses, and they might you know get a chance to get well against Detroit, which is not a great team. Just lost a pass rusher. Um, to injury, I believe, but you know, when, if you can't count on it when you if you can't count on it when you need it, it's not really fixed. Now I'm trying to figure out: is this just a, a periodic problem like they've had against the Bears in the past, where you go against Khalil Mack? Like I'm not saying the offensive line is good, and I'm not even saying it's average yeah. yet. What I'm what I'm trying to figure out is like: is this was this a specific <clears throat> matchup problem for them, or is this? going to keep happening more than they can afford. Yeah. Is it going to, is it going to blow up more games like this, or is this a function of the Browns just being really good up front and getting pressure yeah. for? Yeah. You're trying to figure out how often are we going to see this? Yeah. And um, without going through and looking at the schedule and seeing where everybody ranks defensively in their defensive line, I, I just think it's going to happen more against good teams um, or, or against good defensive lines. 
I haven't looked at them to evaluate how many more of these they have. I mean, you got Bears twice. You got Aaron Donald and the Rams. Yeah. That's, that's no picnic. I mean, there's some of these teams they're going to face are probably better offensively than defensively. I don't know where the Packers defense is at necessarily, but it's, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like it, it, you know, and maybe, maybe Christian Darisaw when he's ready to play, maybe he helps because Rashad Hill did not have a good game no. the other day, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's just this persistent problem where if the offensive line has a bad game and then Kirk cousins, because of that gets a little bit skittish and then he yeah. starts to kind of duck a little you know, like that split second quicker. And then the things that are coming open, he's not able to hit. Well, I will say this. I don't think that that line is good enough for it to be consistent. And so I think this is going to pop up more than they would like. I don't think this was just an outlier. I think there, there might be, it might be a thing where they have a couple of good games in a row and then a couple like this, and then maybe bounce back and play well. And then a few, I just think, I just don't think they're good enough to be consistent because there's good defensive lines in this NFL. And it's not like you're just going to face a run of bad defensive lines. And so I, I, they're just not good enough right now to be consistent. And then the other side is I know there weren't a, a lot of points scored, but Mike, their, de- their run defense right now is not good. No. It, it, it is giving up one more yard per game. Now, it's only four versus 16, but it's giving up one more yard per game rushing than they averaged last year when it was a disaster. And so – and you still have, you know, concerns about uh, the secondary and Breland and what's going on there. Um, I, I, I would think Dantzler's got to be the guy moving forward now, right? Um, but I still have some concerns on the back end. And now you're going to, after this week, you're going to face a run of some pretty darn good quarterbacks coming up. And so I know Zimmer's spinning it that, Hey, I had no good teams from bad teams and his good team. But if this is a good team, good teams figure out how to win close games. And they're just, uh, yeah, they can fall back on, Hey, they're, you know, their losses that come to against teams that are 10 and two. And that's, that's a fact. That's, that's true. Um, but if you're going to be a good team, because so many NFL games are close, you have to figure out a way to execute in those critical moments, and they're just not doing it. Yeah, I think they're a talented team. I don't think they're a good team, and that's a distinction. They're a talented team with obvious flaws yeah. that can really sabotage it. That's exactly. the way I would describe it. Yep, and that's kind of what we thought going into the year. We'll see if that changes at all. Uh, Chip, last thing I wanted to get you on was, we were talking about this before we started recording, but... Wolves and Wild season is basically upon us. They both played preseason games on Monday. Wolves Twitter is just like has lost <laughs> its mind already because they had a good half of basketball. Are we um, mapping out the we're mapping out the parade route? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, parade route, baby. Anthony Edwards is looks good. He 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 we know he grew in Physically, the offseason. He does. He yeah. looks bigger. He looks taller, yeah. and he's he's like six five, six six now. He played good on he played well on defense, had a couple blocks, had a couple steals. I know just one preseason game. The, the larger point is you saw a couple nice goals from the wild to interest level in both of these teams, I think is, is high. The, the curiosity yeah. factor wild coming off the playoff berth wolves with some intriguing young players wanting to see what Anthony Edwards can do. Want to see what they can do in Chris Finch's system. What, what's your level of excitement for these two teams right now? Yeah, that's what I, I think. I'm going to write this this week that typically in October, I don't want to say I don't care, but I'm so engrossed in football that that's kind of, I have tunnel vision on that. And sure. I, I, I sort of swing back to hockey and basketball more towards December in terms of really diving in, paying 
close attention and, and being engrossed in it. I'm really interested in both these teams right now. Um, both with the wild coming back and, and what they did with Kaprizov and getting him signed and, and uh, you know, Rossi and Boldy and some of the young guys they have and, and can they build on last year? And then obviously with the wolves, uh, I want to see Finch with his offense and his defense with a full training camp. I know we've heard this before from Carl Anthony Towns about being motivated and all this, but um, I have to think he, and we've talked about this before, Mike, this is a pivot point year for him. Absolutely. In a big way for him and the organization, you have to start winning and, and showing this is going somewhere. And then obviously Edwards, um, what is the sophomore year look like? And he looks, he looks great. You're right. I mean, physically, um, I like what they're saying about defense and I like what you're hearing from Finch and, and a couple of the steals and the run out the dunk that he had last night. Those are encouraging things. Now it's one game, so you can't really say that part is fixed, but I think it's, there's intrigue with both of those teams, at least for me, from my perspective, that I'm, I'm definitely more engaged and more probably aware of them in early October than I normally would, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm generally interested in the Wolves just because I skew that way, but I'm interested in the Wild right now, too, just coming off of what we saw last year. I want to know how real that was because they were playing 56 games. A lot of them were against really bad competition. A lot of it was, you know, some of it was against really good competition too, like Vegas and Colorado, but they got to beat up on a lot of really bad teams. How does Kaprizov look over 82 games in full arenas against, you know, all the teams in the league? I think there's a, that intrigue factor too. And I also think maybe I can leave you with this final thought and see what you think of this, regardless of how well towns plays this year. I think we're very close to this being Anthony Edwards team and not Carl Anthony Towns team just from a public sentiment well, standpoint, probably in terms of engagement with fans, because I think Ant has that big personality and is funny in interviews and he'll have the more dynamic plays, the donks, the things that, that social media, that lights up social media, right? His interviews are funny and they'll get, but in terms of the way the organization is structured, they've built this thing around Cat. I mean, they, everything they've done has been around him. They and have, so, but but they this team can't go anywhere if he's their best player. That's what I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be. I think. Well, I'll say this. I think it definitely needs to be a one and one A. Okay. I don't think it's Towns and everyone else. I don't that. I don't think it's going to be that. But if, but if you're saying him and Anthony Edwards are our two stars and it's one and one a Batman or how you have you want to phrase it. I can buy that, but it, but it's not, it's definitely not. It's just towns and everyone else, which for a long time, we thought that's what it was, right? How are you going to, I mean, this well, they have for, one a while, superstar. for a while, they tried to convince us it was towns and Wiggins and that was never, yeah, true. that was not, yeah, that, that was never true. Everyone saw through that, but no, I, I think the thing I like about Edwards is, he wants to be great. You can tell how much he really is striving to be. He sets big goals and we've heard him, but I think he's, I like what he's done in terms of uh, preparation for this, in terms of the uh, changes he's making to his body or to his uh, emphasis on defense. It sounds like Finch said he's working more is working harder in in practice on defense. That's good to hear. Now you have to maintain it. It has to be the buy-in completely and show it in games, but I, I like what we're hearing and it shows maturity for a guy who's still really young. So. Yeah. 
Good stuff, Chip. I'm looking forward to those seasons getting underway. We'll see the Vikings against the Lions this weekend. No Gophers, chance for them to get a little bit of rest. And uh, maybe you will too. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a quieter weekend for you than usual. Uh, it is parents weekend in Madison, so I will be there seeing the sun with my family. Awesome. Well, enjoy yourself, Chip. We'll do this again soon. All right. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Love talking to Chip always. I'm glad he brought up the Wolves in the Wild, too, because I wanted to get to them this week on the show, but the seasons are still a little bit away. But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for this season in both regards. Like I talked to Chip about, I think, you know, I'm trying not to get too interested in the Wolves because something always happens. It feels like we can't have nice things with the Wolves, but you know, Anthony Edwards looked really good in that preseason game of the day. He looks, he's taller and he looks taller. He looks bigger. He looks more physically imposing than he did just a season ago. Um, I like some of the offseason additions. I like D'Angelo Russell's attitude right now. I think they've got some potential, but you know, I got to check the smoke detector batteries. My, my old blog commenters always joke at me that I've got to, uh, Got to check the smoke detector batteries twice a year. That's when I get optimistic about the wolves, and so I got that's a that's a reminder to uh, to make sure those batteries are working. So I'm trying not to get too pumped up. It's just one very meaningless preseason game, but I'm I'm excited. I'm intrigued about this team, regardless of what happened in the night. And same thing with the Wild. When the Wolves play at the Nets this year, will Kyrie Irving be on the court? Very interesting story that keeps developing sounds like the Nets are getting prepared to play without Kyrie Irving in home games which sounds completely logistically impossible and would they let him practice uh would they would they go somewhere else to practice I don't know how they're going to sort this out if he doesn't get vaccinated because that is part of the local health ordinance seems kind of I don't know bonkers that he wouldn't just get vaccinated Andrew Wiggins did it Andrew Wiggins complained about it Andrew Wiggins said he wished he didn't have to um, which is ridiculous in and of itself, but I'm glad he did it. I wrote about that uh, Tuesday online and in Wednesday's paper. Like, you know, I don't really care at the end of the day. Like, Andrew Andrew Wiggins still doesn't get it, but at least he got it. At least he got the vaccine. At least he's in that mode now where he's, you know, he's going to help his, 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 help his own health. I don't, I don't care what he thinks about the next five to ten years. He's going to be healthier. The vaccines are safe. Um, he's going to be, it's a public health good. It, it's at least he went and did it. I know it was for financial reasons, whatever the reason, I don't care what the reason is. He got the vaccine. At least he got the vaccine. Kyrie Irving though. I don't know what he's up to. Like, is he really going to miss half of a season because he won't get a vaccine that will help him? It just doesn't seem reasonable or plausible, but then again, that is Kyrie Irving. So I'll, I'll be very interested to see how that story plays out the rest of the year, because this is unprecedented territory in that regard. Let's finish with the cooler MLS All-Star Game, officially awarded to Minnesota. Allianz getting it in 2022. That's that's next season. That should be tons of fun. Great venue. Should be an amazing thing. Can, kind of continuing our run of uh, of major events here. Of course, we had the WNBA All-Star Game a couple years ago. We had the MLB All-Star Game. We've had the NHL. we got the NHL uh, Winter Classic coming up here. Uh, we had the Super Bowl, uh, Final Four. Everything seems to come here. We get the big events. People love to come here, especially in the summertime. So that should be a fun one. So looking forward to that, showcasing that beautiful stadium and, uh, and getting, the, uh, getting the loons a little bit more pub in, in that regard. 
That will do it for today. I think Lavelle E. Neal III will be on Thursday's show. We are going to revisit some of our Twins predictions from six months ago to see just how wrong each of us were. That should be humbling and embarrassing, but I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else but Lavelle. And by the way, I'm, I'm on board with his Jorge Polanco take that he should be the shortstop. I want to talk to him about that more on Thursday's show as well. Thanks so much for joining me. Got Mark Craig coming up on Friday's show as well as a special guest, I hope, in, in addition to that. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll be back at you on Thursday. 